Welcome to the Happy With Yourself podcast. I'm your host, Becky Smith. Many of us have good lives, the lives we've always wanted, but we still feel frustrated and unhappy with ourselves. You deserve to value, appreciate, and accept you right now, exactly as you are. Whether it's life coaching tools, learning from others, or sharing my experiences, I'm here to help you be happy with yourself. Hello and welcome to the podcast. It is September now and we've had a few cool days here in Arizona where it actually kind of feels like September. So it's been really nice. I know it's probably going to get hot again. And some of you in different parts of the country, it's actually cold. So I'm just enjoying this little bit of fall that we're getting right now. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast that I've had recently of talking to experts in their field about various things that affect your life. And hopefully you've been able to get some insightful wisdom. So today I want to talk to you about shame. Yes, I know it's a super fun subject, (laughs) but it's a really important one and a really needful one, especially in the times that we're in right now. There's a researcher whose name is Brene Brown, and I'm sure you've probably heard of her. She had a very famous TED Talk. She has been on all the talk shows. Uh, She has her own podcast now, and she's written several books. And her claim to fame is that she is a shame researcher. So I will be referencing her quite a bit in this podcast. And to start off, I want to have a quote from her where she says that shame is the intensely painful feeling that we are unworthy of love and belonging. So it's a feeling, it's intensely painful, and it's telling us that we are fundamentally unworthy of love and belonging. Um, Shame is a part of the human experience. It has been around since Adam and Eve. It has been around since the beginning of time. And the only people who don't feel shame are sociopaths. So it is good to feel shame. It does mean that you're human. And when I say good, I don't mean that it's a pleasant experience. I mean that it is part of the human experience. Brene goes on to say that shame is a focus on self. Okay, so it really focuses on you as a person telling you about your worthiness and your goodness. And I would like to differentiate shame and guilt because she also says that guilt is a focus on behavior. Can you see the difference there? Shame is a focus on your worthiness, on you as yourself, on you as a person. And guilt is about your behavior, about your choices. So guilt says, you know, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. 
And shame says, I'm sorry, I am a mistake. Those two are very different. So guilt can be a positive influence because it brings hope and light that if it's a behavior, if it's a choice, then you can change. And you there's there's the future, there's tomorrow. You can do better. But with shame, it's saying that you are fundament, fundamentally wrong. And there's really no hope in that. And that's really how why shame can be so damaging to a person's soul. So I wanted to give you real life examples of shame. And what better example than my own life? So back in the summer of 2013, I was here in Arizona, and it was a really hot summer as usual. And I want to say that it was the end of June, maybe the first part of July. And I was taking my kids to swimming lessons and it was way out in the desert. And those, those kind of swimming lessons that can only be done way out at the desert in someone's house where it was a survival swimming lessons. So I was taking my three and five-year-old to be thrown in the pool <laughs> And then they learn how to swim by just coming back up to the surface and and surviving. But it works. In two weeks, those kids could swim. But anyway, we were coming back from swimming lessons. And I pulled up into my driveway. And I noticed something strange, like a little dark trickle coming out from underneath the garage door. And I was like, hmm. That's weird. Open up the garage door and I'm like, is it a is it a leak in the other car that's in there? What's going on? And I noticed that it was water. And it was coming out of the garage door, the one that comes from the house. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I put the car in park. I run in the house. And I am greeted with water. Water everywhere. It is literally raining from the ceiling because I live in a two-story house and water is just everywhere. Uh, We had a little dog at the time and he had the cone of shame on, is what we like to call it. Funny that we call it the cone of shame. But um, he would lift his little head up and water would fill up this cone. And then he would look down and the water would come out and he was in his kennel. Luckily, he was fine. But um, as I looked around, there was probably one to two inches of standing water just everywhere. When I looked at the stairs, water was just flowing down the stairs like a waterfall or like a river. And I was shaking. My heart was just palpitating. And I was having this thought race through my mind, which is, oh no, I did this. This is my fault. I flooded my house. So my mind went back to earlier before swimming lessons when I was in the upstairs bathroom and I was having an argument with my son. He didn't want to go to swimming lessons. It was not his swimming lessons and he didn't think he should need to go. But me having some mom guilt (laughs) 
was thinking that I couldn't just let him stay home and be on video games all the time, that I wouldn't be a good mom if I did that, that he needed to interact with the family, and that I would be a better mom if I made him go. And so I, um, at the time when we were having this argument, I was soaking something in the upstairs bathroom, a piece of clothing. And at the end of the argument, I slammed the door shut and said, we're all going to swimming lessons. And I forgot to turn off the water to the tub. And so needless to say, for two and a half to three hours, the tub was going full blast, flooding my entire house. Now, this was the first new house that me and my husband had ever owned. It was only a year old. And it ended up costing about $50,000 of damage, property damage. It touched every single part of the house except for a little bathroom up in the very front of the house. It damaged my cabinets. It ruined my stove and my microwave. Um, it ruined the carpet, uh, the baseboards. Drywall had to be pulled off of the ceiling and off of the walls. And it was just a really huge mess. And my number one feeling that was going on with me was shame, immense amounts of shame. Just like an elephant had just stood or laid on my chest because I knew that this was my fault and I went straight to shame. There is something wrong with me. I am flawed. I am bad. I am broken. It, I, I didn't go to guilt. I went to shame. And it was very heavy. Everybody that I knew knew about it. Um, we had to get insurance people in here. We had to get emergency services in here as far as like um, fans and things and cleaning out uh, the water. Uh, we had to have different adjusters come in, different contractors. And it was a good six months or more before we got the house back to the way it was as much as possible. And it was a lot of stress and a lot of reliving it, having to tell it to people. And every time I would tell people the story, the shame would just flood over me again. And I tell you that story to help you to see what that would feel like or what that would look like. Um, and maybe you haven't ever flooded your house, but I can guarantee that you have felt some shame in your life. And this story is big and dramatic, and so I like to use it when I'm talking about shame. And I know that it has helped some other people in the past. Um, but it really isn't my biggest shame story. It's really not the one that has shaped my life. And I would say that dealing with shame has shaped my life. And I would say that I deal, dealt with it in not the most healthy way, that I didn't know how to deal with it, that there wasn't Brene Brown when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. And so the way I chose to deal with it has shaped my life and my personality. So my 
biggest shame story was that of being a survivor, because I don't like the word victim, of childhood sexual abuse. And this is not something that I share publicly or openly. I have shared it with close friends and people close to me in my life, but it's not something that I've ever talked about on the podcast or ever really said very much publicly. Um, But right now I feel like it could help a lot of people. And in the context of what I know about shame, it could really be a game changer for people if I'm willing to be vulnerable and open and share it with you. And so even in this day of an age of the Me Too movement, I really feel that sexual molestation is still very, very misunderstood. People think that the pain in it is the violation or the sex act. But for me, and I speak for me, but I've heard this from other survivors, is the pain is in the manipulation. It's in the confusion of pleasure and secrecy and shame. Sexual abuse is not about the sex. It is about the shame. I just want to say that one more time and listen. Sexual abuse is not about the sex. It's about the shame. That shame is very real, my friends. That shame that says there's something wrong with you, that this is your fault, that you caused this. So authority figures in my life tended to go two ways when they found out about the abuse. Um, They either wanted me to tell them details so that they could put a label on it and determine how bad it was. And I'm saying bad in air quotes here. Um, So they could judge it and determine how upset I should be. Or the other way they tended to go was to defend the perpetrator and tell me that I needed to forgive and really try to downplay and minimize anything that happened. And you see, it's very tricky because a child molester is often someone that you know and love. So it's a very tricky situation. And I'm not judging any of the figures in my life or how they handled it. I get it. They were doing the best they could. But now as an adult and a parent myself, I have the knowledge and the understanding of what was happening and what was going on and feel like I can see it from a new perspective. And I have heard the advice given by really well-meaning experts and parents and even other survivors to open up the lines of communication with your children and make sure that they know that they can come to you with anything. And this is good advice. Of course it is. And I want to tell you that I had an excellent relationship with my mother and that I would considered her my best friend. 
And like I said, good advice. And I I would offer that you do say that to your children and that you mean that with your children and that you have good open lines of communication. And, but I also want to tell you that this often doesn't work in the situation of sexual molestation. It doesn't work. Your child is not going to tell you. And I know you're probably saying in your head, but Becky, it's different with my child. My child will tell me everything. We have an excellent relationship. And I just want to say to you that it doesn't matter. That is not why they won't come to you. The reason they won't come to you is because of shame. And that is the whole reason I'm doing this episode. I want you to understand and I want you to teach your children the difference between shame and guilt. Shame grows in silence, secrecy, and judgment. Shame inspires us to hide ourselves from other people, to judge ourselves, and to go deeper into secretive behaviors. One of the ways I like to think about shame and guilt that helps me to understand the differences is, or to remember, I guess, the difference, is that shame starts with an S and shame is from Satan. Satan wants you to feel bad about yourself. He wants you to think that there's something wrong with you. He wants you to feel awful about who you are. On the other hand, guilt starts with a G and it's from God. And guilt comes with hope and a chance for a better choice and a chance for change. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, but the sorrow and I would say, interchange that word, the shame of the world worketh death. So in the LDS church, we often hear that we want to have godly sorrow. And I would say what that is talking about is guilt. Okay? Guilt means that you have done something contrary to your values. That's it. That your behavior is different than what you think on your higher brain, what you want to be, who you want to be, your values. That's what guilt is. That's what godly sorrow is. Brene Brown also says that shame is lethal. It can be. It is shame accompanies addiction and abuse and all kinds of hard things in our lives. And I've talked about a few of them here. So I want to leave you with the open invitation to come talk to me. If you are dealing with shame of any kind, the antidote is empathy. 
It's someone to say, me too. I get it. I understand. We've all done it. And you do need to be careful about who you share your shame story with. And I want to tell you that yours will be safe with me. So DM me, send me an email, text me, talk to me in person. Even if you just want to understand more about childhood sexual abuse and maybe you want to inoculate your kids a little bit with understanding shame more, then I would love to talk to you about that also. But this is a super important topic. I care deeply about it. And I hope that you take this with an open heart and try to understand it. And I thank you so much for listening. I hope that you will reach out to me, um, give me feedback, help me to help you, help me to understand what you've taken away from this. And thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have a great day. Bye for now. Everyone deserves to be happy with themselves. Share this episode with a friend. Leave a review so others can find the podcast. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button.